The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hey. Hello. You just take a mushroom? Hi. Nonsense, poopy pants. Testing? Testies. Testies. One, two, three. I don't know shit about fuck. Birthday. I like sucking. Come on, man. Oh hey, welcome to Legit Bad live on Rockfin. First try, first try. I don't, we don't know what we're doing. We're just gonna have a good time. Might put out the audio later. I don't know. Uh, crazy. What am I doing here? Yelling cute. Might put out the audio later. IDK. Yeah. <laughs> so we've got Micah Dank and Miguel Miguel Connor coming in shortly. I don't see him in here yet, but we'll uh, we'll put you fools up on the screen. Mike Dank and Ben, he's over there. What's up? Hey guys. Hey, hey. I think we have to actually clip out the part where you, <laughs> right as soon as he started that, and you said, Did you just take a mushroom? No. I think that should forever that be in our intro because that was so funny. <laughs> it was so per- It sounded great, actually. I love it. If you wouldn't mind us clipping your voice, we might yeah, actually no, have to yeah, use yeah. it. Yeah. Give me the waiver. I'll sign Fantastic! Yeah. That's a, yeah, that's a classic, worry, classic intro. <laughs> any other reason? <laughs> All right. So, if you're just joining us, like I said, we have no idea what we're doing, and we're just gonna try to do a normal podcast here. Except for I'm trying to fuck with graphics the whole time too, so that's awesome. Uh, still waiting on Miguel, but we'll just start. So, we wanted to talk about the Book of Enoch, and I thought Miguel would have an interesting perspective on that. You're familiar with him, right, Micah? The um, the Gnostic. Honest with you. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah, I listened. I started listening to him uh, probably about a year ago, and I've listened to a good amount of his shit. And it's always interesting. It's definitely a unique perspective. Oh, here he comes right now. So I thought it would go good with uh, your bizarre perspective that I love. Oh, there we yeah, go. Yeah, actually, right when we originally threw around this idea, it was. Uh, Joe had told me that he was trying to get both of you on the same show. And I was like, that is like a really, really solid matchup. Cause I'd be interested with what both of you guys provide to see the perspectives on each other's works. Um, since I'm fucking stupid and all I'm going to do is just listen. Ha. <laughs> all right. And throw around, <laughs> around your dumb jokes every once in a while. Miguel, how's it going? Glad you can make good, it. Good. How are you? Good. Everything's sounding good. Everyone can hear each other. Thanks for coming on, Miguel. Oh, my pleasure. Can you move under their heads there and then make them bigger? No. Okay. Miguel, you want to you talk a couple minutes there? Your audio is a little muffled. Testing one, two, three. Testing one, two, three. I might be able to. How does it there sound? It, it, a, a little muffled, but but doable. I can definitely, you know, hear what you're saying. I just was wondering. Hold on. Let me switch. I can switch mic. Ben, you're going to be hearing a lot of things soon. <laughs> Probably not. 
All right, so we were just we just kind of did an intro real quick. Uh, obviously, you know why we're or what we're here talking about. But I, uh, all right, Miguel, are you familiar with Micah's work, the astrotheology angle? Not with Micah per se, but yeah, the astrotheology. How do I sign now? I switch microphones. Great, sounds awesome. Yeah, sounds great. great. Cool. So why don't we just start with a kind of an overview of the Book of Enoch and your Gnostic perspective on it, and whether that uh, kind of clashes or agrees with Micah's. Uh, the symbology of the stars with it. Sure. <laughs> you want me to start? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Whichever one wants to start first, whoever's got bigger uh, points. <laughs> I'll let Micah start. <laughs> I'm still. So I do this every time on your show, and every time I go on somebody's show, I go through the 12 zodiac signs and what you're looking for. Okay, so that's how I'm going to start here. So let me just go through the 12 of them real quick, just so that we have basis understanding. And then we have the, basically the cipher that we're going to use, just like we decoded the Bible. We're going to decode the Enoch the same way. <clears throat> so the first sign I talk about is Aquarius, which is the man with the water pitcher. Um, and what you want to know is that uh, although Aquarius is an air sign, uh, when you're talking about in the Bible or in other gnostic text for example um the man with the water pitcher since there is water in that sign even though it's an air sign it could be used to talk about water in the bible now it's next to pisces which is the fish in the water so those are the two technical water signs that i talk about okay so whenever you hear something like a fountain or a, a john the baptist who baptizes with the water it's literally the man with the water pitcher that's how you baptize someone then Pisces is the two fish in the water. Then Aries is the ram. And in Aries, you have March 21st, which is the spring equinox. It's a 12-hour day, 12-hour night. It's also the Passover for the Jews, okay? And the Passover for the Jews means the passing over of God over Egypt, who kills the firstborn son, the 10th plague, for anyone that doesn't have the lamb's blood smeared on the door. Notice the lamb, the ram, Aries, the Jews are the people of Aries. In the Jewish religion, the Passover, I mean, in astrotheology, the Passover is the passing over of the sun over the equator and on its way back up to the summer solstice. In Christianity, they switch it up a little and they don't call it the Passover. They call it the resurrection of God's son as Passover and Easter or both in Aries. Um, and it's why the Jews blow the ram's horn to the sky, because they're the people of Aries and Aries is the ram. Then Taurus is the bull, and it's basically as above, so below. When you look at the sky and you see Taurus during the season, you know that you need to, you see the bull in the sky, you got to put the plow on the bull on earth so that you could plant, so you can harvest in Virgo and Libra. Then Gemini is the twins. It's the story of Castor and Pollux Troy, whose sister was Helen of Troy. It's basically the story of Achilles. Then Cancer is the crab, and it's the sideways-moving creature, just like the sun moves sideways in Cancer. And what I mean by that is the sun starts on December 21st. It rises a degree on its axis. Every day, it rises an additional degree on its axis until it hits June 21st, which is the summer solstice, which is the longest day of the year, the shortest night. Okay? <clears throat> then for three consecutive days after that, it stays at that height. And then on the fourth day, uh, June 25th, it drops a degree. And then the sun will continue to drop a degree every single day until it hits December 21st when they said that the sun was dead because that's the lowest point that the sun rises. It's the shortest day of the year. Um, 
it's the coldest day of the year. And then the sun is dead for three days. That's why Jesus was dead for three days. And then December 25th, which is, you can argue the birth of Jesus or whether Jesus was real whenever, but it's celebrated on December 25th for that reason, just like all the other gods. Okay, then Leo is the king. He's the lion. He's the king of the jungle. And the ruling planet of Leo is actually the sun. So when they talk about things like the kingdom of heaven on earth, they're talking about the sun in Leo because the sun actually rules Leo. Then Virgo is the woman holding the wheat stalk. And remember before I said you plant in Taurus. Well, it's, it's a woman holding a wheat stalk is because what happens is in Virgo, the virgins would go out after the wheat had grown all year and they would pick the wheat in order to make the bread for the year. Then Libra is the justice, it's the scales, it's the balance, it's the just one. And the reason it's justice or judgment is because the sun passes over the fall equinox on its way into uh, cold winter death, basically. So it's judged in Libra. And Libra is also olive season. Libra is also wine season. So when you hear them talking about a wine press or parable of the vine, or things of that nature, you're talking about Libra or olives, like the Mount of Olives, that's in Libra too. Then Scorpio is the scorpion and scorpion is known as the betrayer. And the reason the scorpion is the betrayer is because when a scorpion bites you, it leaves an imprint in your skin that looks like a pair of lips. So you would look down and it looks like something kissed you, but it's full of poison. So that's the betrayal. So what happens is uh, the sun is basically, uh, it passes over the fall equinox, it's judged, then it's betrayed in Scorpio. And then in Sagittarius, this is where the bow and the arrow shoot the sun and inflict further punishment on the sun. And then finally, you have in Capricorn, the goat, because it starts all over again. December 25th is Capricorn. The sun starts to climb back up the mountain. And the reason it's a goat is because the goats climb the mountain better than any animal out there. So those are the 12 signs. And that's what you need to know. So I've given you all the information that you need to know in order to start to decode the Book of Enoch. Now, I'd love to hear Miguel's interpretation of Enoch before I get into it. Yeah, love what you said. I love the astrotheology. I think it's been uh, the whole idea of the stars has been completely underrated or overlooked by scholarship. There's no doubt that the ancients uh, did everything with the, you might say, the theory of correspondence as above, so below. So the stars were the grand... Uh, canvas or information or it was just part of their culture it was the internet of their culture um as far as the book of enoch obviously the book is really engaged and uh enthralls so many in the esoterica even people more orthodox christians and so forth the question is why is it so it's so appealing it's really one of the most popular apocryphal books out there and that's because of the its central story of the watchers and these fallen angels and who uh mate with uh the the women of earth and create the nephilim these hybrids and that is really uh again enthralled and um interest to so many people probably because it does have some very uh primordial archetypal uh stories mythical stories that also are paralleled in so many other cultures this idea of these uh extraterrestrial visitors that come down to earth and 
offer these gifts uh, in the book of Enoch, these angels offer humanity the gifts of science and makeup and all these things. And uh, it's a great story that you see paralleled in the Sumerian myths. You see it in the Gnostic myths. You see it so in so many places. Uh, one of the most, uh, uh, most also popular version is uh, the myth of uh, Prometheus, where where Prometheus creates mankind and Zeus decides that, man that these humans will be his slaves. And Prometheus, who's uh, very much a Luciferian figure, decides uh, to uh, steal the fire of the gods, which you, could, which you can call the techne, which means the technology or the wisdom of the heavens of Olympus. And he plots with Athena you already have there a, a sort of a, a Christ Sophia figure to steal this fire from the gods and give it to humanity. And uh, Prometheus ends up being uh, not really a fallen angel, but more of a Christ figure as he is sacrificed and punished for his sins, even if this technology, as the myth said, uh, this wisdom will eventually bring down the down, downfall of Zeus, who's uh, the great demiurge in this uh, version. So this idea of uh, these uh, otherworldly beings giving gifts to mankind, but also uh, um, having relationships with women is very prevalent in so many myths and has really struck a lot of chords. I always like to say, um, people always talk, well, what about this... Uh, you know, uh, taking women, how do they do it? It's not a very nice story, but I think something on, a, I mean, the, with myth, there's always very levels. Of course, you want the level that uh, sexual assault is never good. It's always painful and there's a, a huge price to pay for it. But on a psychological level, the way I've seen it, and this can be whether it's the Nephilim or Zeus or uh, Yahweh coming down to, to Mary is that sex is information. And uh, in these myths, the gods pass this information down to women because uh, women in ancient times are the carriers of esoteric information and just wisdom in general, medicine, magic, all these things are women's were the carriers and the ones who safeguarded this information. So it's a motif how the gods will come down, pass this information to women. Women have to carry it. And then usually they give birth to a demigod or a god like Jesus, because this information, this technology does help us become godlike on earth, which is what technology has done. And of course, you can make an argument uh, whether this technology or these gifts are positive or negative, or they cut both ways that we've seen throughout history. So... Um, I know in uh, the, I can come from a Gnostic perspective that uh, you, one of the most popular or uh, informative Gnostic texts is the, the secret book of John. And that has the entire Gnostic saga from the creation, from divinity, from consciousness waking up to the pre-cosmic cataclysm, to the fall of Sophia, to the birth of the Demiurge. And then all the way down to almost the end of the world with Jesus relating the story to the Apostle John. And in this book is very was very popular because you have in the Nag Hammadi library, you have three versions and that there have been other versions found. 
And as you guys probably know, in ancient times, a any text was like owning a Tesla. These things were very expensive to have. So to have various copies of this ancient text, it means uh, it was an important text in early Christianity, probably maybe Judaism, just all around this was an important spiritual text. And the, the Nephilim, the story of the Nephilim is found there because... Uh, at the end of the text, and again, this is a story that Jesus is relating to the Apostle John, uh, you have uh, the Demiurge decides he wants to, uh, he wants to, humanity's getting too rebellious. Again, like Zeus, he doesn't want humanity to know too much, and he wants humanity to be his slaves. So he sends his archons down to mate with the women, and it doesn't work out. Uh, so then he sends the archons again, but he sends them armored with uh, this powerful magic, which makes them seem like the, the women's husbands, but also their seed has this corruptive ability that uh, once they mate with the women, their, their descendants will be completely materialistic. They're not going to care about spiritual pursuits. They're, not, they're only going to care about, as the text says, silver, gold, and so forth. And that's how the text ends, or at least the narrative text ends. And Jesus is saying, well, this is the humanity we got. But then there's like a hymn of Sophia where Sophia comes and starts singing to those to awaken who have a little bit of spirituality to come with her and so forth. So even the Gnostics knew, although they had their own myths about how the Archons are, the story of the Nephilim was still so important to them that they would include it in the secret book of John, their version of it. And uh, you can see how important it is because even the Apostle Paul knows about uh, this story. The story of the universe being controlled by fallen angels was definitely universal back then. In the letters of Paul, you see it all over the place. Paul talks about uh, the powers and principalities, the God of this world. He talks about, he mentions the rulers, the archons. He says that Moses, that angels gave the Torah to Moses. It wasn't the true God, the higher God, and therefore the, the people of Judea have been deceived. And uh, that was definitely in the air, just with Paul, with many groups, Christian Jews, about how this universe was controlled and mismanaged by these fallen angels, and how we had to break the yoke of the angels. Obviously, later on, the Gnostics really weaponized and took it to like a level 11, the story of the fallen angels. But you see it everywhere. I mean, even in the book of Daniel, you have uh, the, the prince of... Uh, Prince Gabriel comes to Daniel and Daniel's like, well, where have you been? And he's like, I've been fighting with the Prince of Persia. Most people who read the Bible think, oh, he was literally fighting this dude somewhere in the empire of Persia. But it also means when he says prince, the word in Greek is archon of Persia. So even in the times of Daniel, it was assumed that angels controlled different countries and regions of the world. And they were doing their own independent uh, controlling or management of this universe. So um, yeah, and I'm a bit of a long-winded uh, exposition, but you do have this, though. It was the book of Enoch and its story was not exclusive to Enoch it was in the air and again the Gnostics really took it uh, a level up oh and I should mention too is uh, there's that in 1 Corinthians I think 18 when Paul's talking about why women should cover their heads 
uh, doing church. And uh, his excuse is because if women don't cover their heads, the angels might notice. So Paul, as many have said, is actually talking about uh, the watchers, the, the Nephilim, or the watchers, the egregory, as you would say in Greek, call them in Greek. And he's still worried that these angels are out there ready to... Uh, to mate with women or take women and give us these, uh, these uh, well, I guess in Paul's view, these uh, deficient hybrids of uh, creatures. So that's that's a bit of my take on the whole thing. Do, do, does the Nephilim, uh, Micah, you know, are you familiar with Nephilim at all? The idea of these uh, like kind of semi-gods that came down and bred with them, bred with yeah, us? Or... They talk about it in the Bible. They talk about it in the book of Enoch. So is that uh, is that more star symbolism to you? Is it? Do you think it was a literal yeah, I, thing? I just, or? That has not not really that part. To be honest, here's how I put it: like when when I'm decoding the Bible, right, with astro theology or the Book of Enoch or something. Now, there's plenty of astro theology in it, and the book may be based entirely on it. But not I'm an author, right? I have six books. Okay, not every single sentence in the book is prevalent or a hidden code. Right. There's right. there's stuff called filler, you know, and that's what a lot of the stuff is. A lot of these are stories that, that they're all borrowed from each other and they're all telling the same story of the sun going through the 12 signs. Um, <clears throat> for example, in chapter two in the book of Enoch, two one, it says, observe ye everything that takes place in the heaven, how they do not change their orbit and the luminaries which are in the heaven, how they all rise and set in order in each of its seasons and transgress not against their appointed order. So my contention is the reason that the Book of Enoch was removed from the Canonical Bible is because they openly talk about astrotheology and astrology in this Bible. That was exactly what my first question was going to be, because that's a big point of contention with people who are searching through and reading about the Book of Enoch is if it was so prevalent and it's literally based from a person that is historically already in the Bible and noted in the Bible, well, why so was it? He's, he, he was the first person to go to heaven who didn't die. Exactly. And so it, then, so right. According to the Bible, that's exactly right. So it's like, why is that, which appears to be just as much a part of the era and talking about things of the Bible, obviously it's because it doesn't fit into the story that modern Christianity has tried to give us. But I wanted to know from you what, like, where that separation was from the canonized they openly, Bible. They openly talk about it in the Book of Enoch, and in the book, uh, if you if you look at uh, Daniel two seven or the Roman Catholic Catechism two one one six, they both tell you that astrology is evil. But the books are nothing but astrology. You know, it, it's a gaslighting. It's just telling you not to look for it. And when so, when the Bible or something tells you not to look for it, that's when you look for it. Because that's when you'll find it. Uh, like in chapter 882 in the book of Enoch, <clears throat> as Miguel brought up, the, he, everybody had a purpose. Some Jaza taught enchantments, Amaros the resolving of enchantments, Barakiel taught astrology, Cocabel the constellations, Ezekiel the knowledge of the clouds, and Sariel the course of the moon. So they're openly telling you about astrology in there, whereas in the Bible it's hidden. Should be noted too, it says in the Bible, Enoch lived for 365 years. So that's a huge, uh, might say red flag that uh, whenever you see 365, it's a number of completion or totality. 
So it means somebody very important or even divine. I mean, like the Gematria name for Abraxas is 365. So you do have the idea of completion. But yeah, I think uh, all the, the Bible itself is one big star map, just like the Gnostic texts are. I don't know if you guys have ever read Bill Darlinson's The Gospel and the Zodiac. I mean, the Gospel of Mark, he breaks it down. And Bill Darlison is an Anglican priest. It's just one astrological voyage but to the ancients that wasn't a problem because the stars and us and ourselves were were connected again the whole hermes as above so below how the heavens move reflected how the earth was and vice versa the stories there was no there was no separation obviously to uh control humanity later on the whole uh the best way to have humans uh, become obedient is uh, what the protagonist in the movie interstellar says at one point matthew mcconaughey character he says uh, we once looked at the stars now we, we look down at the dirt because the stars is where you got your inspiration whatever you think looking at the stars are you know going beyond yourself reaching higher uh communing with the spirit however you want to define it getting people not to talk about the stars and making Jesus more historical would be uh, beneficial for a new religion. I, I contend, of course, the idea that this world is not ruled by the higher God, that it's actually ruled by these uh, alien beings, these uh, Nephilim or angels or Anunnaki, wasn't going to go with the church because obviously they're their uh, propaganda stated, oh, everything's fine, you know, just, it's all harmonious, go to your job, shut up, go to church, breed, the world is okay, you know, it's like uh, that guy in, uh, that <laughs> you see that meme a lot in the guy from um, uh, The Naked Gun, where he's like, everything's fine, and everything's burning behind <laughs> him, that's what the church wanted, so the Gnostics were the ones saying, no, no, this universe has fallen and ruled by these astro lords we got to do something about it and that kind of story wasn't gonna wasn't gonna fly to have a uh um you know a, a nice ordered civilization well even the bible says that uh satan is the prince of this world right i mean that kind of jives with the, the power I and paul calls him the power and principality of the air he's the yeah. lord of the air i mean one of the things that most people always make a mistake is uh there's nothing in the bible about satan being in hell i mean he's not in hell he's always out there doing shit so yeah. uh i think uh i think the book of revelation kind of says you know hades and death and at the end of the world will be thrown in a lake of fire but satan's on his own doing his own thing so yeah, yeah, roaming to and fro the name of the name satan comes from the hebrew hashatan and hashatan literally means adversary that's all it means it's not like a red guy with a pitchfork even though the oldest pictures of the devil show him as being blue not even red um you're talking about adversaries so two basketball teams are just satans to one another that's all it really means you know and um <clears throat> absolutely there's this weird connotation with this connection between lucifer and satan which is just not there which a lot of religious people make all the time it's a mistake so there's not even any real like, uh, I mean, the the serpent in the garden that for some reason that got connotated with the devil or Satan. And there's nothing in the Bible that mentions uh, the serpent in the garden being any of that. Right. So later on, rabbinical Christian 
connection but yeah i think for uh the ancients the serpent was again another promethean luciferian sophianic i mean the gnostics uh some gnostics thought the serpent was sophia some thought it was jesus uh to me the not to me the um the snake in the garden is the 13th sign ophicus snake bearer you know if we're talking astrotheology to me that's where that would be yeah makes sense but what about the other weird stuff in the book of enoch isn't there some stuff in there that uh for an would be another reason it wasn't included in the bible is because of things like uh kind of some alien symbolism uh that doesn't really go with the rest of the bible isn't I haven't read it in a long time, so I'm rusty on it. I probably should have read it before now, but you know how we do. <laughs> you get, that's why I have smarter people than me on, so I can pick your brain. I don't know. I mean, obviously, Jesus quotes Enoch a lot. And there's obviously the book, that really short book of Jude quotes Enoch. So it was very important. So important that even Jesus quotes it several times, I think. I'm pretty the, sure the attitudes Enoch, and, Enoch uh, evolves into Metatron, doesn't he? Yeah, in, in rabbinical lore, he does turn into the angel Metatron, you know, the, the little Yahweh, sort of this ultra-powerful guy. So uh, Enoch was, uh, yeah, something else. He wasn't. But uh, like Jesus quotes Enoch, I mean, in several places that's been uh, documented. There's even one when in Matthew, Jesus is talking about uh, marriage and he says, you know, angels don't get married. And many think that's right there. Again, he's talking about the fallen angels. He's not talking about, you know, what's going on in heaven. So uh, it, was an imp it was an important book to Jesus. He quoted it. The book of Jude quotes it. Uh, you find it, obviously, you find uh, the story of the Nephilim. You find it in the Old Testament in a few places. So it was important. But uh, like you guys said, it just got downplayed here and there until obviously copies started coming through the West through uh, James Bruce and other uh, sources and uh, really caught the imagination of uh, Western occultism. Right. I mean, I'm looking at like a, a, a list of <clears throat> astrotheological codes out in the open from the, from the book of Enoch. I could just start reading some of them for you guys if you want. Yeah. Whatever you want. This yeah. is all great information for me. So uh, also, if anybody in the chat has any questions for Miguel or Micah, uh, <laughs> pop them in there. There's quite a bit of talking going on in there. But anyway, continue, Micah. Sorry. 17.2. And they brought me to the place of darkness and to the mountain, the point of whose summit reached the heaven. So they're talking about darkness. OK, so darkness would be winter. So you know that they're talking about one of the bottom six zodiac signs, because that's basically winter and early spring. And then summer and fall is the top six. It's a calendar basically. So we know that the sign they're talking about is one of the winter signs. Okay. And I saw the place of the luminaries and the treasuries of the stars and of the thunder and of the uttermost depths where a fiery bow and arrow and their quiver. So that's the man with the bow and arrow. So now, you know, they're talking about Sagittarius, which is also a winter month. So they openly talk about it there. And then basically what's next in 174, right after it says, and they took me to the living waters and to the fire of the West. Okay, the fire of the West. You're talking about the sun in either Aquarius or Pisces because you're talking about the water, and because Aquarius and Pisces is on the left side of the zodiac, that's the West. 
18.2, and I saw the cornerstone of the earth. I saw the four winds which bear the earth and the firmament of heaven. The four winds are the cross of the zodiac with the solstices and the equinox. Um, okay, and then 18.13, I saw there seven stars like great burning mountains. And to me, when I inquired regarding them, do you know what the seven stars are? We went over that, but I that, don't remember. Is that the Big Dipper? No, it's the Pleiades. Oh, okay. They're known as the Seven Sisters. Oh, yeah, I remember that now. Um, and 46.1. And there I saw one who had a head of days. And his head was white like wool. So we know that's sheep, Aries, they're talking about. And with him was another whose countenance had the appearance of a man. Well, we know that the, the sign of the man is Aquarius, the man with the water pitcher. The sign of the female is Virgo, the sign of the man. This is the son of man who hath righteousness. The son of man, that's Aquarius. Um, for uh, 49.1, for wisdom is poured out like water. That's what it says. So we know that's Aquarius pouring out the water like the water pitcher being poured out. And all the thirsty drank of them and they were filled with wisdom. And at that hour, the son of man was named. And the son of man, again, is Aquarius. So they're just talking about Aquarius there in two separate passages. 49.1, for wisdom is poured out like water. 49.4, and he shall judge the secret things. And we know that judgment is Libra, the scales of justice. So you're talking about Aquarius, the, um, the wisdom is poured out like water and judge the secret things. 51.4, uh, and in those days shall the mountains leap like rams. Well, we know that's Aries. And the hills should skip like lambs. Well, we also know that's Aries. Satisfied with the milk that comes from the Milky Way galaxy whose center is in Sagittarius. All this stuff is in, e is in Enoch. I have, I have like four or five pages worth of this stuff. So what was um, the point of them back then putting all this weird star shit into metaphors like pouring out water? Were they that bored back then that they were just... No, it's not that they were that bored. This is how they hid information from the masses. Because what do you do with sacred information? This is how our heavens work. This is how our heavens work. This is how you hide the information from the public. What do you do with secret information? You hide it. And that's how they did it. They hid it in plain sight. I guess I'm just asking why, what are they hiding? Like, what is the information besides the connotation to the stars? To me, they're hiding the star. I mean, they're basically just hiding the star information. Um, well, I get, I get where Joe's coming from with that, though, because if they were a helioistic people already, then what would be the point of literally hiding their religion in plain sight? Because you have to understand is that the Egyptians were the people of Taurus, okay? So they had their own okay. story. You see hieroglyph bowls with the sun between its horns. I mean, they're telling you they're worshiping the sun of Taurus right in the hieroglyphs. And then the Jews are the people of Aries, and then they have their Old Testament. You know, they blow the ram's horn. You know, I've gone over the Old Testament with you guys before. It's yeah. all encoded. Mm -hmm. And then they came out with the New Testament for the new sign Pisces, which is Christianity, the two fish. That's why Jesus feeds the masses with two fish. It's why you have the Jesus fish, which is the center of the vesica Pisces. You know, all this information is encoded in there. And it's meant, I mean, Jesus says in the Bible, he, he says something like, uh, for those who can hear, I mean, um, eyes for those who can see and ears for those who can hear. He's talking about not taking the book literally. After 325 AD, where Constantine unified Christianity as a literal Christianity, before then, Christians were known as heliognostics, which means sun worshipers. Heliosnosis. They were sun worshippers. 
And they all knew that. So it's very likely that they were reading the Bible. Those who could read were reading this Bible in the way that I'm translating it right now. I think that was one of my one of my favorite things that you kind of like blew my mind with the first time I heard you. I think it was on. Uh, I can't remember what show I heard you on first, but it was crazy the way that you explained how all the sun worship goes. I mean, it matches so well with the Bible. It's insane. Like, it's uncanny how even the the name, the son, the son of God, God's son, like everything matches down to the 12 disciples. And then I'm trying to like mesh that together with Miguel's stuff that I've listened to for oh, quite a while. And it's it's so hard to like put those two together for some reason. I don't think it should be that hard, but you know, it's my brain. Were they at a point of oppression though? These people who wrote these books, were they at a point where they were hiding it because they were just about to be squashed out? So they kind of wrote it away. The old te- so Abraham is supposedly the first person who was the father of all three major religions. And Abraham was right. the first person to believe in one God. That's just naturally bullshit. Um, Nefertiti, Akhenaten in Egypt, they believed in one God. And when they've dug up uh, sites in Israel, they found uh, fertility gods that match the time frame of the time the Bible was written, the Old Testament. So the Jews were multi-God beings or multi-God worshiping beings. You know, um, they, they it wasn't so much that they were oppressed. I think it was just the fact that I mean, I couldn't even venture to tell you how many people wrote this, and it's been over over a thousand years. It's crazy how 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 many people wrote into this. But I can show you a common thread in astrology through the Book of Enoch, through this, through the Enuma Elish, the Babylonian creation story. It's the same thing. As uh, Miguel mentioned, the secret book of John, I actually just read that, and I actually just decoded it too. Um, once you know the cipher that I've given you, you can decode anything. Well, I just what... wonder why it's encoded, though, instead of out there. And I understand where Christianity would squish it down because they're like, no, we're going to make money off this and run the world. I mean, I'm just kind of like they've wondering... done throughout all of history. Yeah. So I'm just wondering why there aren't more people out there trying to be like bringing this up. I think all of <laughs> well, you get beheaded. Yeah. <laughs> well, th- I was going to go back to what he said about it, about uh, Jesus mentioning it. it. So the eyes for those who can see and ears for those who can hear it. it just so for my own information is that basically him saying like hey we know not all of you know the general public the majority of people can't read so what i need you guys to do is for those of you being given this information that we've encoded in this book i need you guys to read between the lines for what we're telling you so that the true story of the heavens can be passed down i'm not gonna lie it's a modern day thing within the last thousand or so years with like uh the middle ages and the great depression and all shit like that um, it's a recent thing that people weren't able to read. Okay. People were making hieroglyphs. They had their own languages, the Sumerians. That makes sense. I actually it's completely believe that. It's a misnomer completely. What happens is we go through waves. They're waves. We go through cycles where consciousness rises and then consciousness right. stops in society. So early on, we, we assume because people in the 1300s were illiterate, you know, minus a certain amount of people, um, that basically the church would keep the Bible chained up to pe- to the pew. I was going to say, do you think that that was planned? Do you think that period of oh, history yeah. was planned to well, wipe it. everybody out of being able to find it for themselves? And that's yeah. what basically restarted this idea of like, Hey, if we can get all these people uh, in these, you know, generations over the next couple hundred years to, co- to continue to be illiterate, we can rewrite history the way that everybody knows it and Absolutely. make it our own. Absolutely. I mean, to be honest with you, Constantine had a nephew named Julian the Apostate, 
okay? And Julian the Apostate, when his uncle died, tried to bring everyone back to sun worship. He was a Heliognostic. And he ended up getting a bow, and a, a, a bow I mean, an arrow shot into his back in battle from someone from his side uh, that killed him. Uh, but he tried to bring everyone back. Um, the ancients would probably realistically roll in their graves as they knew we were taking this book literally, or people were taking this literally. You wouldn't, you never find, like, for example, like Solomon or, or King David or Goliath, you're never going to find their bones. They don't exist. They're stories. You wouldn't read the, the Iliad, the Odyssey. You wouldn't read, um, you wouldn't read these books as literal. So I don't, so there's no reason to read the Bible literally. To me, it's just an encoded book. And like these little decodings that I do, you know, every time I just read a new passage, I could just see another one. Yeah, that's a heresy but, to a tra traditional Christian, though, to read it as, you know, a metaphor. No, the, all this actually happened. That's what I was just about to say. That statement alone is absolutely mind-blowing because even people that don't believe in Christianity still look at the Bible if it's to be believed as literal. You yeah. know why, so, you know why like, the Bible works so well? It, because it, it, it satisfies your, the, the biggest desire of humanity on earth. It's the fear of going into non-existence. It gives you something to believe in that happens after death. Now, That's what I always say, yeah, that Christianity is such a neat box to put everything into, and it's kind of a lazy way to think. because It's, it's like, the easy you know, uh, crutch to help you along. This is what happened. And that's how I think of atheism, though, too, is it's the same kind of thing, not, not as dogmatic sometimes, but it's kind of like an easy way to put things. Nope, there's no God. We're just fucking here for no reason. And then when you're done, you're done. It's lazy. Uh, I do have a question from the chat, though. This is uh, from Nathan. Please ask Miguel about... Oh, fuck, I just missed it. It says, ask Miguel... Sorry, I'm new to this. Ask Miguel about how the Book of Enoch describes the literal cycles. Jesus Christ, it keeps going away. How the Book of Enoch <clears throat> describes the literal cycles of light that fill and empty with the moon. Any word on that, Miguel? No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I Nathan. <laughs> that was new to me, too. That's why I brought it up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, uh, the Book of Enoch is quite <laughs> extensive and it's pretty rich. And it takes a long time to decipher, but there's always a, a lot of cool gems depending on your perspective. Like uh, one thing that speaks to me is beyond the mythology, but there, I think it's in Two Enoch where it says that Noah's dad noticed when when Noah was born that he had uh, wispy hair and kind of lightning eyes or blue eyes. And that right there is a sign that he had... Uh, he had Nephilim blood in it. And I always think it's very interesting because obviously Noah, the idea of the flood was to get wipe out these impure creatures. And it, and ironically, Noah himself had the, I guess the, the Nephilim COVID, you know, he took it with <laughs> him and uh, the, the Nephilim kept on going. So there's a lot of good stuff there. You could uh, spend forever. I, I like uh, going back to the whole mythology thing is um, it's uh, it's, it, as I mentioned, it's affected uh, so much of the literature. It was in the air, this idea of fallen angels ruling the world. But there is one story in this. You can find it in the Midrash Bereshit Rabari, I think, 29. And it talks about in one scene, there's a, there's a, the chief of the angels. I forgot his name. It's not Azazel. This is rabbinic lore. They always sometimes change the villains here. 
but uh he try he, he wants to mate with a woman and uh she's able to find his secret name and uh she uses it once he she he tricks this uh this angel to give her his his real name and she can control him so she's able to use to get all these gifts of power and wisdom from this angel without having to do something it's the old uh i mean the story of you can find somebody's secret name you can control it is out there so there's all these very cool twists and uh, traditions that you can find i think uh and if you guys ever get a chance, there's a there's this movie with uh, Denzel Washington and John Goodman called uh, I think it's called The Possessed, and it's kind of a crappy movie, but uh, the concept is still very cool. How the Nephilim, after being wiped out, had a um, spiritual, and the Watchers had a had no body, so they've been able to have to possess humans across history to do what they wanted to do. So the idea of serial killers and psycho dictators and all that is just the the watchers taking over us and eventually of course it's a a cop in the modern times denzel washington's who figures this all out and is able to go toe-to-toe with azazel the leader of the watchers the great fallen angel so that's kind of a cool culture thing that uh, i've seen about the nephilim or the book of enoch sorry hey miguel i got a question oh go for it Miguel, I got a question for you. Do you think that ties into rhesus negative blood? Into what? RH negative blood. Oh my God. I haven't even gone down that rabbit hole. My <laughs> wife talks about that all the time. And I'm like, nah, you know, your head's not ready for certain rabbit holes. If you know what I mean. I mean, like I have a friend, uh, Sean, and he's like, you know, there's this conspiracy that all nuclear bombs are a scam. And I'm like, yes, I, I'm not I- ready. When I, I'm ready, yeah, I'll take, but you know, there's so much out there. It's to like, be to be fair to both Miguel and to Micah, that is how I feel anytime I talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> we, had, we had one more uh, uh, shout out to Dusty Potter, by the way. He jumped on. I was talking to him earlier today. He wanted to know uh, where, where Micah would point someone who's completely new to astrotheology to start their journey when first jumping in to study the subject. I, I was going to say the same fucking thing. <laughs> His books. I'll tell you what. Um, a lot of it. Look, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to be dead honest with you guys. When I first lear- learned and started to learn about this stuff, I had a complete mental breakdown because it changes your whole view on it. It does. You have to literally be ready for it. You have to be ready for it. You have to understand. I did a podcast with with a couple of people from down south and it was a Sunday school teacher. And uh, as I'm doing, I did the Book of Enoch with her. Cause we did the, we did the Bible and then she kind of molded over and then we did the Book of Enoch. And when she saw all the astrology in it again, and I said, look, these are just encoded books. That's all they are. She broke down, started crying on air. And I have that video. Oh, wow. Oh, <laughs> send it to me. That's a. Oh, but to answer the question, to answer God, the sorry. question, if your friend in the chat is on Facebook or Twitter, find me. Okay. Message me and I will send you. I've done maybe 130 podcasts since July, but I have the best like 12 or 13 of them, which is a whole bunch of different topics that I talk about. <clears throat> the Enuma Elish, the Book of Revelation, the Bible, the Book of Enoch, um, MK Ultra, things of that nature. If you want to start going down rabbit holes, the best thing to do is listen to this. Because what I do is there's a there's a phrase by Socrates, and it says, um, indulge yourself in the works of others 
for what will come easy to you, others pained laborly for. All right, and I fucked that quote up so bad. But like <laughs> what it basically means is someone else put in, like I've put in eight to nine years worth of astrotheology work into this. You know, I studied the basics on it and then I started venturing out my own. I wrote a book series about it. Um, if you want to support and get the books, that's fine too. I sell autographed copies if you reach out to me direct. But um, my podcast that I do, it's basically nine years worth of work and into maybe 10 or 11 hours. And it'll really give you a good start to it. So I would reach out to me on Facebook or Twitter and uh, I'll, I'll private message you all these videos that I'm talking about. That's the best way to start. Hell yeah. I started reading your, I told you I started reading your books and I got through the first one in like two days, which uh, for me, I told you that's quite something with how much, I mean, kids work, everything else to actually sit down and read that much is pretty crazy. Well, it's interesting and it's funny and it's full of information. It's totally written in your voice. I could hear. You I, that's exactly. <laughs> I read the, I read the prologue for it and I could literally hear him talking from the podcast that we did before the books were released. And I was like, I can, yep. It, I'm glad you just read the whole thing in a New York accent. <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah. Well, that's how I read it is in that kind of, uh, nice. yeah, it's that cadence. Yeah. yeah. It's that cadence. It's that cadence that he has. I will say this when you said, you know, you have to be ready for it. Um, when we did that first initial podcast and you took a good half hour to go through uh, the 12 signs. And I appreciate you doing that this podcast too, because I, I, I think that there'll be new people and stuff and maybe some people. Well, have heard it before my thing is, is that it's refreshing because not knowing nearly as much or, or even really a fraction of what you know about this stuff, you kind of do every time you start to, for, for the people that have never gone in this direction, you kind of have to start there every time you start going down the rabbit hole because it sets your mind up for whatever it is that you're about I to learn. I call it the cipher. It's the cipher. It's the key to unlock the books. Yeah. And you got to be ready because I, I walked away from that, that podcast yeah. with my head cracked the fuck open because I'm sitting there going like this. I'm like, I remember what you had said, you know, uh, there were questions that I had being raised um, that about the Bible that just never got answered. And so I wanted to find those answers. And I remember thinking that when you said it, like, yeah, that's that's how, exactly how I've always felt. By the time we were done with that podcast, I walked away going, holy shit. Like everything that I thought I knew about God is at least in the very least in complete question now. And uh, I don't I, I it, it took me a, a couple of days to like, as I would think back on the episode, go, holy shit, like that. It literally is earth shattering. Because if you if you're not ready for it, like I said, even non-believers in Christianity still take the Bible literally if they had chosen to believe in it. So this idea that the Bible is a a, a completely physical uh, work of history, um, and to just it's not true. Smash that right to just smash that. A lot of people will sit there and say the Bible's not true, but for you to come back with it and go, oh no, it's it's a true book, but it's all about a completely different subject than what. All of all of, you know, uh, civilization has been led to believe that's really hard to fucking deal with mentally. It's it's really hard when you're brought up and you believe that Jesus is the light. Yes. Well, they tell you he's the light. Yeah, he's the light of the world. He's the sun. He's the when S-U-N. They, <laughs> when they tell you when, when you first hear that, you go nuts. You go crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and then well, sometimes you have to go back to it. But the, the thing that I do differently than everyone, aside from writing a. Um, a six book thriller series where the characters uncover all this information. 
aside from that, which is which nobody in, in the astrotheology community does, they write nonfiction books. I write fiction books. And my publicist is in the process right now of showing this to a TV head. So, I'm, oh, yeah, I'm I saw that. Ooh, I'm let waiting. us know. Of course, you guys, will, I'll let you guys know. Um, and I'm actually going to be speaking with her on Wednesday this week uh, about that. But um, what I do is I make it very simple. Whereas if you watch people like Santos Bonocci, Miguel, I don't know if you've heard of Santos or, or Jordan Maxwell. Those are two of my like idols from this kind of shit. Yeah, you know, you know what I'm talking about. You've heard this stuff. What I do is a little bit differently, though, is I, I do the Bible passages, whereas they teach it. And what I do is I very quickly bring you up to speed and what you have to look for. And then I show you where it all is. Like, it's very easy to watch my videos that I do with people because I have these PowerPoints, you know, that I that I show. And it's easy to learn if you see it, you know. It's 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 just wild. But well, now yeah, that we're doing a... now that we're doing videos, I actually want to have you on for some kind of like slideshow thing. Miguel, do you do anything like that as far as videos and having like re like visual representations of what you're talking about? Because I think Gnosticism yeah. would be a lot easier to get to if you had some kind of visual with it. Yeah, if you request it, that's for sure. I mean, uh, and I was going to mention the interesting thing is that uh, the writers of the Bible knew this stuff. It wasn't like uh, they took it literally. I mean, we have to remember in those ancient times, if they were going to be reading, they didn't read off. They would uh, perform it out in a square, usually at night, and they would look right. at the stars. So I think the, the Bible authors knew exactly what they yeah. were doing, and they knew this was astrotheology, I think, uh, I would suggest uh, beyond Micah and the individuals he's uh, mentioned, get um, Bill Darlison, Bill Darlison's A Gospel in the Zodiac, because you'll never read the Gospel of Mark the same. Nice. Uh, obviously, I'm, I uh, lean and towards Mark, my um, friend, uh, Acharya S. in her book, The Christ Conspiracy, which especially the, the new edition is incredible. And then later on, if you read the Acharya Sons of God, she doesn't just stick with Christianity and Judaism. She just breaks down Buddhism and Hinduism, how it's all astrotheological. And uh, I would suggest to, um, if you get a chance, Gordon White's uh, Star Maps is a great uh, book for that because uh, he shows uh, there's the, the if, if you guys have heard of the archeological discovery in Turkey of Gobleki Tepe, which yeah. is like 13,000. And it shows that human civilization <laughs> is a lot older than we could ever imagine. But what it also shows too is we assume that how civilization is, is like, oh, we're hunter gatherers, we'll get the fields, we'll build a hut and then, and you know, and then at the end of civilization, we build the universities and the temples. What Gobleki Tepe taught us is that the first structure to be built was the temple looking up at the stars. Yeah, in other words, we go right back again to the gifts of the gods or these beings out in space or stars that comes down and start civilization. And then comes the farms, the school, you know, the roads, everything. So human civilization began with us looking at the stars however you want to interpret it whether they're beings inspiration or some sort of energy or just the stars were like the internet they're a great place to put information get information store information interpret information however you want to look at it i have a feeling the ancients saw things in a multi-dimensional way like we see the internet it's interactive you know it's there yeah.
Oh, I did want to insert here, Chris from uh, Forbidden Knowledge News and Beyond Classified uh, said to tell Micah that he needs more wristbands. So I thought I'd put that in real quick. <laughs> Fuck you, Chris. <laughs> I love Chris. I just did a conference a little while ago, too. I know. I've been meaning to check that out since I'm on Rockford I, uh, I did the presentation. Nice. Talk about things. Talk about things that'll split your mind open. Chris and Corey, they have uh, some of Corey's work on uh, JFK. Just will split your mind open as well. I, I I wouldn't say it. It's as well. It's pretty close to as earth shattering as uh, astrotheology, but it's more or less on the idea of uh, the same token of kind of being told a lie your whole life, and then <laughs> and then the idea of finding out that oh shit, uh, that's not true. <laughs> Well, Mike, I know you've got, uh, we should wrap up here. I know you've got a yeah. three-hour podcast ahead, and Miguel probably has better things to do than talk to us knobs all night. So uh, <laughs> if you guys want to plug anything or let us know where to find you or any recommended reading, I know Miguel's already put a couple out there, but give us your plugs, and then we'll get the hay out of here. Yeah. I'm at Twitter and Facebook. My Twitter handle is Real Mr. Dank. My Facebook is Micah Dank, and I also have a Facebook group called Micah Dank into the Rabbit Hole series. Um, Never seen it. Oh, <laughs> uh, the Hodge twins. That's your new name, by the oh, way. Oh, right. Yeah. The white yeah right, twins. right. The White Hodge yeah. twins. The White Hodge twins. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, just find me on Twitter or Facebook. Reach out to me. Let me know what you thought. Um, I will. I talk to everybody, literally. You know, it's, it, I'm, I'm talking to a lot of people at this point, but it's getting a little difficult. But I still manage to talk to everybody. And if you're interested in my work, I'll send it to you. Awesome. And his books are available on Amazon, but if you want to skip Bezos, just hit him up directly. That's what we did. And uh, he'll sign them. So why not? Miguel, anything from you? No, I think I gave the recommendations. If you're interested in Gnostic astrotheology, I think uh, I have it right here. April DeConnick's The Gnostic New Age is good because she breaks down a lot of the rituals that the ancient Gnostics did, and there were completely star portals. It was... Uh, you would do these out-of-body ecstatic rituals. You'd go down to Hades, you know, the great symbol of meeting your demons and pruning all your excess weight and ego. And then they would literally fly up to the constellation of Draco and try to get out. Very similar to what the ancient Egyptians are. Obviously, Gnosticism is completely indebted to the ancient Egyptian mystery. So, um, right. and my website is uh, thegodabovegod.com or type in Aeombite. And uh, if you're interested in Gnosticism, although I always advise people to just stay away from it because it's going to go, it'll drive you crazy. <laughs> Not trying I, to do the Streisand effect, but I'm seriously, stay away from it. It's, I have to it's take like a break Lovecraftian stuff, you know? That's why I have to take a break from your show every once in a while because I'm like, it's too much. My head hurts. I got to listen to like, again, you're Small not ready for it. Small doses. Yeah. yeah. And then I come back and I'm like, oh, yeah, I love this. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us, guys. We'll let you uh, off the hook for tonight, but we always appreciate hey, you coming on. Let me quick. Miguel talked about the Book of Mark a couple of times. It's important to know that the Book of Mark is the oldest gospel, and it's not even close. It's by like 50 years or so. It's important to know that the, the gospel came out in 70 AD, around the time that the Second Temple burnt down. What's important to know is this, is that in the year 100 AD, and I'm not making this up. You can literally look at the fucking Encyclopedia Britannica. It's still in it, okay? They had something called the Council of Jamnia. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, Miguel. Mm -hmm. 
the council oh. of Damia was basically, so in the year 100 AD, believe it or not, the Old Testament was not canonized. And what I mean by that is that the books were not put in order. So people would read it, but they would all be reading them differently. They had to canonize them in order. So they about the, the Jews the coming out with the Masoretic text? Yes, yes, oh, yeah. 100 AD. Yeah, so what, yeah. they, okay. what they ended up having to do is they had this Council of Jamnia where they had all these like rabbis and rebel priests and all sorts of stuff uh, come in and they were deciding which books go in the Old Testament. And the book of Mark came up during that conversations and they physically decided to put that in the New Testament. But they actually were deliberating whether or not the book of Mark should be in the Old Testament. Mm. Okay. So if you wanted to know whether things are divine or not, they're not. You know, these are <laughs> stuff made by people. Yeah, because Jesus, obviously, he's a, I mean, we all know he's a, a part of the heavenly drama up there. But in Mark, he's more of a God-man. He's sort of the yeah. suffering servant and the, the hero that sacrifices himself for a good cause. He's not the the Pauline or Gospel of John's God-man and divine being and right. archon slayer. Right. Still a cool cat, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Joe. <laughs> All right, guys, we'll talk to you next time. I want to do this mashup again and maybe do a, a different book or a different uh, subject, but this is awesome. I love it. I'm I'm still waiting on Revelation because I have found we'll that fascinating. Don't touch with me, guys. We'll do Revelation next time. Yeah, it's all a Perfect. star map, and it's all... I mean, yeah, it's a star map, and it's also a hidden message of this ancient primordial Gnostic movement of uh, protecting the goddess Asherah and Anat and Sekhmet that got very it's very coded i mean it even talks about the nicolaitans the gnostic sect the Nic but we can talk about those angles next i was gonna say miguel oh, yeah. i'm not good with stars <laughs> <laughs> are you good with with powerful myths about archons and all that other stuff yeah. i'm barely Hidden good at keeping my third eye open <laughs> he's gonna You're have doing to, a great job ben. he's gonna have to listen to some podcasts i'm gonna send him a couple of my favorite aeon bites and stuff because i'm just proud of ben right now that he's not eating the couch <laughs> <laughs> yeah. all right guys we'll talk to you next time all right enjoy thanks, it thanks. guys have a good Bye night guys. and thank you for joining us on this our first fucking live stream let's see how this works oh fuck did you <laughs> uh capture oh there we are okay okay have a good night thanks everyone Bye. for joining the chats we'll see you whenever the fuck we do this again